Hey, y'all, it's Lynn Howard, and this is Road to an Abundant Author Life. So welcome or welcome back. As I'm recording this intro, we have decided to foster a three-month-old puppy who was found in the last snowstorm we had around here, almost frozen to death, but he's doing great now. So if you hear a bunch of ambient noise, there's not a whole lot I can do about it because he's a baby. But I just want to give you guys a few updates. The coaching website will be open and ready for business, uh, hopefully by March 1st. We're working our butts off to get it ready for you. And we have expanded it to both author coaching and abundance and manifestation coaching because I'm certified in, well, quite a few things in coaching, but those are where my passion and my heart really, really, really lies. So super excited. We got to talk to Damon Courtney this week. Um, he is so much fun, as you'll hear in this interview. He is so chill. He's laid back. And for those of you who don't know, Damon Courtney is the creator and founder of Book Funnel. So let's go ahead and get into it. Today, I have Mr. Damon Courtney on. Hello, Mr. Damon. Hey, how you doing? This has been a long time in the making, has it not? Uh, we we went through a couple of rounds to get here. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Well, here's the problem. You're too easy and I'm too easy. So it's like, eh, when's good for you? I don't know. When's good for you? So. It's like, oh, whatever. You just pick a day. I'm, I'm good. You just pick one. I'll, I'll be, yeah, sure. No, no, no problem. Like we're so, so I, both so accommodating. We can't right. seem to find anything that works. Too damn not. Well, I pick the day, you pick the time. We got it. Right. <laughs> so I have been following you for quite a while and I finally got Book Funnel. I was so proud of myself. I have noticed you're kind of a um, indie author crystal ball. Mm -hmm. and you, you just know where the trends are heading. Are, do you just watch things? Do you see things explode? Like, how does that happen? Um, well, you know, we at Book Funnel, we always keep on track of uh, keep on top of everything that's going on in the indie publishing industry. You know, I, I mean, I guess publishing as as a whole as well, but far less attention is paid to the traditional publishing. And what honestly, it always seems like it's like, oh, you know, you read some article in Publishers Weekly about what the traditional publisher is doing, and it's like, oh, yeah, the indies were doing that four years ago. So uh, we tend to watch everything that's going on in the indie publishing industry, but then also. You just you you start to get good at spotting trends, right? Like, oh, uh, everybody seems to be really. And then sometimes you you way miss the mark, right? Um, but but in our case, in a good way. So 2022, this year that just ended, uh, as we're recording this in January 23, um, 2022 seemed like the whole year was all about direct sales, right? Everybody yeah. was just yeah. talking about direct sales. We actually launched direct sales delivery and book funnel back in 2017. And we've had people using it over the years. And, and we built that because people were asking us for it and saying, hey, can you deliver my direct sales? So we finally built the feature because we had enough authors that were asking for it, that it was, it was worth it enough for us to put the time in and the effort to build it. But that was five years ago. And really, you know, in 2022 is when it really kind of took off to the point where a lot of people were signing up just so they could set up their stores and do direct sales. And that's that's not really something that we'd ever experienced before that. Most people are signing up for BookFunnel for, to deliver ARCs or they want to build their newsletter with group promos or, or whatever, right? Delivering their reader magnet, all the things that we sort of built it for when we initially started people actually and then they would go oh cool there's this direct sales thing and they would kind of you know fiddle around with it and get started this was the first year that people were like no i'm signing up because i want to do direct sales but we had it five years ago so you know i we we kind of look like we were prescient and that we were you know <laughs> uh, you know ahead of the game really we were just so far ahead of the game that by the time people showed up we were like oh yeah we already built that 
Well, what's funny is I initially got it for the reader magnet and now I've been using it for so many different things. I'm like, damn, you know what? Let's start from the beginning. Can you tell us what BookFunnel is and the benefits? Because we just jumped into this assuming that everybody listening knows exactly what it is. Right. And I get that. I know, but you know, but I have baby authors on here as well. So Sure. So BookFunnel, I I used to really be able to describe it easily as like, oh, we deliver eBooks, you know, out to readers' devices. And now we do so much more than that. But the the short version is that BookFunnel deliver is the delivery mechanism for eBooks and audio books anywhere you could imagine delivering outside of the traditional store system. So going back to what I was just saying and what you were saying. Uh, kinds of things that you can think of. Like originally I built BookFunnel for reader magnets. So you want to get people to sign up to your newsletter and you're offering them a little freebie, a short story or a bonus chapter or something that says, hey, thanks for joining my list. And you want that to actually get to the reader's device so they can read it. That's where BookFunnel steps in. You create the reader magnet. We do the delivery of the theme. And the beautiful part about that is two things. One, we're platform agnostic, meaning you give us the files and we are going to get that that book to whatever device the reader is on. If it's a Kindle, if it's a Kobo, iPhones, iPads, Androids, their their computers, it doesn't matter what it is. We've probably seen it. Um, And then the second one is that our support staff is there. 365 days a year, even on Christmas, in case the reader has any trouble getting their books. And some of them do. You know, it's it, it tends to trend go the, the numbers go up uh, by age sometimes because um, older readers tend to be a little bit more technophobic. But ultimately, that was what we built BookFunnel for was to do the actual delivery piece. Once we had that we could start adding a lot of cool features like delivering advanced reader copies. So before your book is published and sending it out, um, doing group promos, joining in with other authors so that you have this reader magnet and now you're getting it in front of other readers in your genre so that you can build your list and start to find new readers. And then of course, in 2017, we launched direct sales so that you could sell from your own store, from your own website and BookFunnel would handle all the delivery piece of that. So again, anywhere you can see, uh, uh, we have a feature called gift a book. It's super simple, but you just email a gift copy of your ebook to a reader, right? So we have authors that, that actually, you know, uh, have, uh, or we have authors whose readers, you know, they collect their readers birthdays when they sign up for their mailing list and on their birthday, they send them a, a free book or a free short story. Um, or we have a feature called print codes where you can actually print out unique download codes for your book and then pass those out, print them out, put them onto bookmarks, onto business cards, onto postcards, anything you want to do, and then hand those out and go to conferences or just hand it to somebody that you meet in line, all kinds of different things. But ultimately it boils down to BookFunnel is going to, once they get the book, however they got it from you, BookFunnel is going to handle the delivery of that book and getting it to the reader's device so that they can actually enjoy your words. I love the ARC angle because when we're sending it just from our computer to their computer, they can just send it to whoever. Sure. I love using the ARC because that's that's it. That's your book. It can't be sent out to anyone else but you. I lo- And I, you know what? I don't need to preach to anybody. Y'all know if you're listening to this channel, you're an author because that's what we do. A lot of pirating out there, a lot of stealing, a lot of plagiarism. I love that glitch, whatever. I can't think of the word so that it goes directly to the person you want it to. They cannot send it on to anyone else. I love that so much. We have a now, lot of features that are built around piracy control. And because yeah. it's, over the years, it you know it started off as a small problem and unfortunately it's gotten bigger. Um, most of the piracy is is still coming from other places. And you know, you we always tell people that your your ARC team, your ARC team should be, 
you know, a, a loyal group of dedicated readers. So people who love your stuff, and of course, they're going to leave you great reviews, but also, you know, generally not the kind of people who are going to pirate your book, right? They're, right, they're readers, right. they're supporters, they love you. They're not the kind that are going to steal your book. But, you know, sometimes it, it just so hap- it just happens that somebody gets a copy of an arc and then they go, oh, my, my friend would love this. And so they just, you know, they just pass a copy on to them exactly. so that you can read it. And then maybe that person who doesn't love you and support you is like, oh, I'll just upload this on a free site because somebody else asked for it. I, you know, I, I see it sometimes in groups where there are little group, literal groups of readers where they just share books willy nilly. And, and I mean, like that's, that's copyright violation. That's theft, what you're doing, but they don't think of it that way. Somebody says, Hey, does anybody have a copy of X by Y author? And somebody go, I have a copy. Here you go. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're just being super friendly, but yeah, it's, it's, it's become a, a problem for some authors. And so we've built a number of features around being able to restrict your books so that they can only read them in the book funnel app, meaning that they can't get a file they can share with other people. Um, if you, you know, if you're okay with them being able to get the file so that they can read it on other devices, you can also watermark the file. We've, we've always had hidden watermarking and we, we would have hidden watermarking so that people couldn't remove them. Um, and now we have visible watermarking. So at the bottom of, of, you know, your, your copyright page, you can say this book's, you know, prepared for Damon at bookfunnel.com. And then their email address is kind of stamped all over the book as sort of a, Hey, don't give this to other people because <laughs> you know, your name is kind of all over it sort of thing. Yeah. Now I, I watched an interview of you where it, it was eight months you sat on the idea before you finally started building because you're a coder, right? Yes. And yes. How in the world did you have patience to wait eight months? Um, because I had eight months of other stuff to do. Uh, it's 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 I we say wait on it, but really what it comes down to is you know we're a small company. My wife Julie and I run the company together. Um, we we have a small team and. All of the things that we do, I, you know, I, I really liken it to being just like an, an, an indie author, right? It's you're doing everything. You're writing the books, you're you're marketing the books, you're getting book covers. Even if you're not like doing the book cover yourself, you're contracting out and you're managing the the cover designer and getting all that sort of stuff back. And you only have so much bandwidth in the day, right? You only have right. so much time that you can spend. And of course, most of us, you, you've got families and family obligations and other things and, and friends and everything else going on in your life. And so we have a, a product roadmap of sort of all the things we'd love to do. And then the reality is the bandwidth says this is how much we actually can do. Right. And so, you know, <laughs> we plan out our we try to plan out our features and plan out our roadmap. And that's based very, very heavily on our authors. If authors are emailing us and saying, hey, we'd really love this feature. And we start to see, you know, you talk about uh, the crystal ball, but really a lot of these things, they come directly from our authors. And we start to see a trend of, man, a lot of authors are really asking us about Patreon. Then we go off and, and we did. We went and built a Patreon integration because we had so many authors that were starting to set up and find their readers through Patreon. The one that the most recent one I can think of that sort of come up is not just the direct sales, which we happen to be ahead of the curve on, but more and more authors, indie authors using Kickstarter effectively. Mm -hmm. And so they were coming to us and saying, Hey, you know, I love book funnel. I have this Kickstarter and now I've, you know, I've, I've promised 4,000 people that they're all going to get, uh, you know, eight books in my series. 
how do I deliver eight eBooks to 4,000 people? And our answer was, well, holy crap, uh, we don't really have a way to do that, but hang on, I think we can build something. <laughs> And then, and then, and then, you know, we either go on, sometimes we squeeze that into our roadmap because man, we really just saw an uptick in more and more authors that were starting to use Kickstarter. So it's like, okay, we need to solve this problem. We, 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 we can build a tool that is effective for our authors and they're asking us for it. So we need to do that. So we change our roadmap and we, we allocate our bandwidth based on what our authors are telling us that they need. I can't even, I'm, I'm like, as you're talking about doing these things, I'm trying to picture the O's and ones in my head. And <laughs> it's I, a lot of zeros <laughs> and ones, I can tell you. I just, I, I was so excited when I taught myself Photoshop and, you know, Audition and, and Premiere and Pro and things like that. And I just, that was a learning curve. And it took me quite a few years to get to the point where I was comfortable enough to make my own covers. You know, I can't even imagine building a whole website and then learning to integrate new things into it. I just, Hats off and bowing at your feet right now, because although I guess six four and five three, I wouldn't have to bow. I just kind of wave my hands in the air. But right now, <laughs> what, what was the inspiration went from behind? Like what what made it come to your mind to begin with? I remember the old days of using zip files and direct oh, emails Lord. and yeah. So that actually was the start of it. I so I I wrote and published my own fantasy trilogy. I'm I'm a fantasy author, epic fantasy with dragons and wizards and elves and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I had written and and finished um, a fantasy trilogy that I I thought was really good. And I was trying to find some readers. And so I'm I'm you know of course I'm following Joanna Penn's podcast and I'm reading Hugh Howey's blog. And and this was back in 2014. And I, I my first book was published in 2011. So following along with all of the the gurus of the day, many of which are still around, but they, you know, they were all saying the same thing. Oh, you need to be building a newsletter. You, you, need, you know, start getting those reader email addresses. That's the way that you're going to build a long-term sustainable career is by finding your audience and, and being able to communicate with them. Because the worst part is you can find your audience, but if you have no way to communicate with them, then they're not always going to know that you have this new book out or you, exactly. have, or you have this new project that you're working on. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll build a newsletter. What do you do? Oh, well, you, you know, write a reader magnet, which is a, a short story or a novella or something. So I, I sat down and said, okay, cool. I have an idea for a great short story that should be about 2000 words. And it ended up about a 26,000 word novella. Yeah. As welcome to my world. Because I'm a fantasy writer <laughs> and we just can't shut up. But, right. um, you know, in the end I had this really cool, um, novella that's like, okay, this is a really good reader magnet. How do I get it to people? So I went and I signed up for every mailing list. I signed up for Joanna Penn's and Hugh Howie's and Mark Dawson's and, and uh, Joe Conrath's and like everybody of the day. And yeah, they were all doing like you were saying, like they'd give you a zip file. Sometimes it wasn't even in a zip. It was just like, here's a Moby, here's an EPUB. Yeah. Um, if you want to get it to your iPad, you can plug it into iTunes with a K. I mean, just terrible. And, and uh, my wife would be, would, would tell you that I think that I I can solve every problem in the world with software like that. <laughs> and if there's a problem, like, Oh, I can write some code to do that. Uh, but in this case, I was actually right. I was like, I think that this is a terrible experience and I don't know how many lay people would be able to do this. I don't know if my, oh, if, I, if I, if I just emailed my mom a Moby file and said, here, mom, go put this on your Kindle. I don't think that she would have been able to do that. So I said, okay, there, there has to be a better way. And, and I set out to find it. And it took, um, it took almost a year to, to put all of it together. And a lot of that was writing code, but a lot of it was also just, 
buying every Kindle, every you know, a dozen Android phones and tablets and everything you can think of and testing every single one of them to see how do you get a book to this? Device? Oh, it's a Nook Glow Light Plus. Okay, great. How do you get a book to a Nook Glow Light Plus? And then take it like a big legal pad and just scribbling down all of these notes and everything and then putting that all together in what I hoped was a, a, a reasonable way to to help readers get their, to, their book to the device that they already owned, right? What I didn't want to do was... Sure, you know, this author is offering you this book and you can go and read it, you know, in a web browser or something like, no, I I have, I have a Kobo I want to read on the Kobo that I purchased. And so uh, we said, okay, let's, let's get the book to where they already are. And that was, it it really started for the same reason that most authors still use BookFunnel today, which is delivery of a reader magnet to build their newsletter. Yeah, that's that's why I started using it. And then, you know, you get down the rabbit hole. We talked about having ADD before. Right. You go down the rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, my God, look at all these features. <laughs> I just started clicking, clicking, clicking on everything. There's so, if you can dream it, it has been created on BookFunnel. Freaking all, love that site. And all of that came about because, I mean, we we launched it and uh, we, we did a lot of iterations in the first few months. Uh, Mark Dawson was actually one of our first uh, real beta users. He was getting over 100 signups a day. So he really started putting us through our paces. So within a few months, we were, a- very a- we were able to rapidly iterate through the product and make it really, really good so that readers were, were having a really solid experience of getting their books. And then we started looking around and going, well, what? you know, what do we build next? Like what would, what tools would help indie authors, right? That's, that's always the viewpoint that we take. Like it, what, how would this tool help indie authors get their books out there? And most importantly, sell more books, right? It doesn't have to be direct sales, which we do support. It's just like the reader magnet. The goal of the reader magnet is to get people onto your newsletter so that you can sell them more books. So mm-hmm. ultimately that's what we're all trying to do as indie authors. And then, like I said, just listening to our authors within the first few months, people were like, oh, I love BookFunnel. This, the delivery is great. You know, it would be really great is if I could deliver advanced reader copies, but I don't want to just, when we first built BookFunnel, the only thing you could really create was what we call a download page, which is just a, a landing page where a reader clicks and they can download their book. Well, I don't, I don't want to use that for an, for an advanced reader copy because if that person then shares that link with somebody else, then suddenly, or God forbid, posts it on Pinterest or a Facebook group and suddenly, boom, hundreds of people are downloading my, my as yet unpublished book, right? right. Um, and I don't want that. I, I have this team of, of 50 people and I really just want the book to go to those 50 people and I don't want them to share those links with a whole bunch of other people. And that was where we built. Certified Mail. Certified Mail is the feature that we built specifically for advanced reader copy delivery. And when we first built it, it was really simple. It would send an email, but each person got their own unique link with their own unique copy of the book so that, you know, you can't just drop that link into a a Facebook group and share it with a bunch of other people. But that came about because our authors were saying, hey, this, what you've built is really cool. You know, what would be great is if you could do this. And then we kind of go, you know what? That would be great. That would be really great. You just outed yourself as not being psychic, though. You realize that like this whole time I thought you were just psychic. 
Well, I mean, admittedly, like we still come up with some pretty cool ideas on our own. But a lot of that, I think a lot of that comes from, um, number one, everybody at Book Funnel is a reader. Like we're all super big readers. I read every single night. My wife is yep. super into audiobooks. Like we are absolute fans of of books, of the written word, of the spoken word, of all of it, right? And then me being a, a, a self-published author at the same time coming into this, you know, I've always, as an engineer, I've always felt like the best software in the world was the software that was built because the engineer needed it first, right? Which means that I built it for me first. So it you had to pass. Need. Yep. Yeah, it, it needed to pass my muster before I was ready to put it out into the rest of the world and say, okay, I built this thing that I think is awesome and I personally use it myself. What we call in the, in the business, we call dog fooding, meaning eating your own dog food. Um, like if you run a software company and you... <laughs> Yeah, we call it dog food. We have all kinds of funky terms in, in software, but dog fooding is if you write a piece of software and then you don't actually use your own software, um, you are not you're not being a very good engineer because you don't understand the problems that your customers are facing. If you're in the code, if you're in there using your own product, and you're like, man, this is really clunky. Guess what? Your 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 customers are going to feel. And so I built BookFunnel because I needed it first. And then once I built it, I was like, you know what? This actually is pretty cool. I think other authors could use this too. And then we move forward. So all the features that we think of, not just from our authors, but the things that we come up with and the ways that, I mean, look, people can email you, you know, you can get 50 emails of people saying, you know, it'd be great is if you did this. Um, but most of the time you have to take all of that and translate it into something that you can actually build that is going to work for everybody. But on top of that, I, I have the perspective of also being a self-published author and, and having an understanding of what authors need as, as we try to build these tools so that they can just make their, their career bigger so they can sell more books, you know? So tell us how BookFunnel increases visibility and sales then. So uh, if you jump, I, I will tell you, as, so since direct sales has been sort of more of the topic, but even if you're just getting into trying to get your book to move on, on the bookstores, right? So you're, whether you're in Kindle Unlimited and you're exclusive to Amazon or you're out there on Kobo and Nook and all the other bookstores in the world, right? Um, you, you, especially as you're coming out as a new author, if you've got your first book you're published, or even if you've got your first couple of books, you have to get eyeballs. That's the, that's the biggest thing. And, and you want to make sure that you're finding the right eyeballs, right? So, uh, the, the best tool that the book funnel has for that is way back when we built this tool called group promos, which is just group, we shortened it, but it's promotions. And the idea is, you, you go and you look at the book funnel board and there's all these group promos that are recruiting. You narrow it down to your genre. So let's just say that we're writing in space opera science fiction. Um, so there are probably a dozen space opera promos on book funnel right now that are recruiting, looking for other authors to join in. And this is like, the, let's say you're just getting started. You don't even have a newsletter yet. You're just starting to build this out. Well, you can join in and you join in with 20 other space opera authors who some of them are also new like you, but some of them already have a list. Some of them have a really big list and the, it, it's just sort of an honor agreement. Like, Hey, I'll share your book with all of my readers and you share my book with all of yours. And this is all through just a single page that has all 20 books listed at one time, right? That's a, it's just a bundle page of books. But the cool thing about that is, is that 
as you're just getting started out and you don't have a newsletter yet, your book, assuming it has a good cover and it's got a good title and it's got a good tagline or all these things that are going to attract readers, um, is now getting sent out to other authors' newsletters where they already have some readers. But most importantly, they have readers who read space opera because you wouldn't be on their newsletter if you didn't read space opera because they're a space opera author. And the readers that are reading those emails are the kinds of readers that a join authors newsletters because they wouldn't have gotten this one otherwise. And B they click on links. So they click that link in the email and it says, Hey, here's 20 great space opera books that you, that are, that you might enjoy. They click through, they see your book cover and they go, Oh, that does look good. And they pick up a copy of your book. Now they're on your newsletter and you can start talking to them, not marketing to them necessarily. You want to start just casually talking with them, build a rapport, build a relationship. But then when that next book comes out, you definitely want to say, hey, the new book in my series is coming out. And so that helps you get your book and, and or your reader magnet specifically, which in this case could be any number of things, but it might be a, a prequel novella. So a, a, a 10,000 word novella that comes before the book one in your series or something like that, which works as a great reader magnet because somebody reads Somebody who's never heard of you looks at the cover of your reader magnet, goes, oh, that looks like a cool space opera. They pick it up. They're willing to invest 10,000 words to see if you're the kind of writer that they're going to enjoy. So they read your novella and you've done a really good job of not only um, showing what your writing is like so that a reader reading it goes, oh, I really like this person's writing. Um, But you're also, you know, if you're doing your job right, it's not a cliffhanger, but the end of the prequel novella leads very comfortably into book one of your series. Hooray! So now they get to the end of that novella and they go, this was really good. I don't know anybody. I mean, I'm again, I'm a reader. I, I read constantly every single night before bed. Me and too. I, I can't think of a time when I read a great book or even a book that I just I really enjoyed. I got to the end, found out there was a next book and was like, nah, I don't think so. Right. Like I if pick you're, it up that night. <laughs> right. Exactly. I do the same thing. I will immediately go grab the next book in the series. So if I'm reading your novella, just your little, you know, 10,000 word, but I get to the end and I go, I like these characters. I like this person's writing. 10,000 words is enough, usually enough for me to determine whether I like someone's writing style. And that's a, that's a, a big thing for me, right? Um, I don't, I read fantasy, but I don't like really loquacious fantasy. And I use fancy words like loquacious because it's, but um, (laughs) I I don't, um, I like, I I guess I'm more of a sword and sorcery fantasy, what they call a sword and sorcery fantasy reader. So I like action and battles and magic, you know, spells and fireballs flying everywhere. And it's not that I haven't read books like, obviously I've read Tolkien because they throw you out of the club if you haven't read the you know the Lord of the Rings. But <laughs> no, du- um, and no then, Dungeons and Dragons if you don't read Tolkien. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, right. You're not allowed to play. They just throw you out. Uh, and then you know, of course, these days if you haven't read the Song of Ice and Fire, which was the the George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones series, um, they also throw you out of the club. But those are not for me the 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 kind of writing that I would typically choose. Like I I, I read the Song of Ice and Fire, but eh, I skimmed around a lot. Like he, he tends to be really, Martin's really, really wordy. And for some people that makes him awesome. He's like the best author. They just love reading his words. And for me, it's not. So in a 10,000 word sort of introductory, 
I've read and decided, oh, I really like this guy's writing style. I like the characters he's building. I I don't even know what the story of the series is yet, but I can kind of see where he's going. So I'm going to go pick up book one. As soon as I get to the end of that novella, I'm going to go pick up book one. And now you've taken a reader through the journey of here's my free thing, join my newsletter and bam, now they're reading your books. And hopefully they get to the end of book one and they go on and get book two and book three. And by the time they're book two, book three, they're a fan, right? You've, you've turned a, a potential lead, somebody who was just casually scrolling through looking for something new to read. And you've taken that lead and you've turned them into a fan. And then of course, ultimately the goal is to turn them into a super fan, somebody who loves your books so much that they will buy everything you publish from here to the end of eternity. And that's, I, that's the, what we're I all have one for. of those authors who, if she, if she published her grocery list, I would buy it. Yeah, absolutely. I've been reading since I was 12 years old. I have authors today that I started reading when I was 12 and 13 and 14 years old. And I I still read those authors today. Many of them are still publishing. I buy every book they have, sight unseen. They are an automatic buy. It doesn't matter what the book is. I'm going to buy it. And that is where we all want to be as authors. We want to get to that point where – and. I realize, like, I, I meet a lot of new authors, right? I go to conferences and I talk with new authors. And of course, we get lots of new authors who are just publishing their first book on Book Funnel. And I know that some of you out there think that that's crazy, that there's no way that you could ever be that author for some other reader. But I promise you, it happens. None of those, uh, I know authors today that have done nothing but indie publishing. So never, you know, started publishing just a few years ago. And already they are the absolute, I will buy every book that you ever publish author for somebody, for some set of readers out there. And if you can build that that list of fans, right? Um, they do more than just read your books, right? The, the, the great goal, of course, is that they're going to buy all of your books. That's fantastic. Um, but they do more than that. Those super fans not only buy all of your books, they go out and tell everybody tell they every- can about Diane how Duvall. awesome these books are. I yeah. talk about Diane Duvall's books. I've read her entire Immortal Guardian series probably 10 times through, even though I know what's going to happen. Right. If I can't, if I'm in the middle of the night, you know, I'm reading, I finished something, I don't want to go searching. I'll just go read that for because I have to read to go to sleep. I can't, yeah. my brother, my brain won't shut down. But yeah, that I just finished uh, Strangers for Soup from, from Strangers to Super Fans, the book. I uh, just David finished Garber. reading that. Yeah. Yep. Just Absolutely. finished reading that. Yeah. It's the whole, you're never going to be that big. I mean, I was obscure. I making maybe $20 a year. I not too long ago found a review in India that I was someone's favorite author. That's fantastic. That was the wild. I looked at my husband. Do you see this? <laughs> Why You can't this? believe it. You can't believe it because you're just in our heads. We're all, I mean, I guess everybody has imposter syndrome. It's just like, I'm just like, like we were talking before the show, but like, I'm just sitting over here in my pajamas, mm-hmm. cranking out, banging out words on a keyboard that I think are pretty good. These are pretty good words, but for somebody that is the best series they've ever read. That was the, that book hit them so hard in the heart that they just absolutely loved it. Right. Yeah. And you you just don't know when you're going to when when your book is going to hit just right that it's going to be that book for somebody. 
Um, and it just, it, it feels like you could never be that because we all feel that. I'm sure if you asked, you know, in the last couple of years, Colleen Hoover is just, you know, right. just blown up like crazy. Right. But I'm sure if you asked her, she'd be like, oh no, I'm just a writer. I just write books. I don't know why everybody thinks my books are so good. Like it's like, we all do that, but you don't know the, the day that you're going to be that person. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you should set out with that, that in mind, like I'm going to be someone's favorite author. Um, I don't know too many authors that actually ever think or feel that way. But, you know, if you keep at it and you keep putting your books out there, you will be. I've discovered where the birth of imposter syndrome for, for authors came from. I, I have a, a theory. Do you remember watching things like Romancing the Stone, Sex oh, yeah. in the City? Uh, what was the... With Roseanne Barr and Meryl Streep was the author. Why aren't we in silky clothes and heels and mansions yet? And oh, right. buying buying Manolo Blahniks on our our column in the newspaper. She Devil. <laughs> she Devil is the movie. She Devil. This, that's this it. Movie I'm always like, it's not bedeviled. I can never no, remember the name of it. Yeah, and she's in that mansion with the silky clothes and the the canopy over her bed, writing and the romance. Boy, and then like, yeah, yeah. Love, oh, love in the rent cycle was her. Yes. The, I remember <laughs> when she lost her mom. Mind was the name of the book that she started writing and it was love in yes. the, the rent cycle and her publisher was like what what the hell is this i remember that it's, i remember watching they're like okay when i finally get my books published you know and i was with traditional like smaller presses and i had an agent once and i hated it everybody's like oh you indie published because you know i can and i have i hated it i like having control over my work i, I my wife uh, Julie bought me a Kindle for Christmas 2010 and um I had wanted they they the first Kindle came out I think 2009 and I really wanted one and she she wouldn't buy it for me cuz she knew I was going to spend all our money on books um and at that <laughs> point um my we uh, I had my son who was born in um uh, who was born a few years earlier. And then we had my daughter. So I hadn't, I'd, I'd kind of stopped reading. I didn't have time. I got into bed and I was like, I want to read. Right. You know, it was like <laughs> I was just out. And so I had sort of gotten to where like, I really would love to read again. And um, so finally she got me the Kindle for Christmas and I, you know, picked up a few books that I had been and my to be read pile from those authors that I loved. Again, authors that I've been reading at that point for now 20 years. And I was like, Oh, I could, I was excited about that new book. And then I read those. And then, you know, you get to the end, you're like, that was really good. But, you know, traditional published authors don't put out but one book a year if you're lucky. Right, right. Um, if, if they're a really fast author or, or what was considered fast in the day, right, we've we've kind of blown that myth out of the water. But oh, yeah. uh, unless you're Brandon Sanderson and then he's not a myth, he's just a god. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you, you finish reading that book and like, OK, that was great. But there isn't another one in the series, not till November. So I just sort of browsed around. Well, I'm I'm an epic fantasy reader. So I go and I start browsing for epic fantasy. I see this cool looking book. It's got cross swords on the cover. It looks really neat. $2.99. What? A $3 book? That's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I look at it. I sample it. I go, this is pretty good for three bucks. You know, I can tolerate a lot for three bucks. Turned out to be a fantastic novel and, and is now one of those automatic buy authors for me. My key became, I read that first book and I get to the end and there's an author's note and it's just sort of a thank you for, you know, reading and blah, 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 blah. And I start to read and I go, wait, holy crap. He, he he just published this himself. This is not a like this wasn't from some pub, big publisher. You can do that. And that started my journey of, hey, I 
I always, you know, it's like that secret dream. Like I always, yeah. I always thought maybe, maybe one day I could be a writer, but the more the what you'd read about and what you, what you learn about being a writer in the traditional publishing world was just like, yeah. And then you're going to spend like 10 years querying, trying to get somebody to yes. buy your book. Writing and, synapses and, oh. And as a software guy, as an engineer, my whole life had always, the thing I always loved about it, software. I, I started programming computers when I was seven years old. And the thing that I loved about it was I could sit down with nothing but me and a computer and I could make things. I could build these amazing, cool things. And I didn't have to ask anyone's permission and I didn't need anyone's help. It was just me and a keyboard and I could bang out these really, really cool things. And so the same thing was, was sort of how I felt about books. Suddenly, when I read this note that gave me permission to just go and write a book and then put it out into the world and see if somebody likes it. And you don't need to ask someone's permission to publish it. You just do it because you want to do it. That suddenly for me, it was like, okay, that is a writing career that I could get behind. Yep. That that whole standing at the gates begging to be let in. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I'm in the old school where when we started writing, they were 99 cents. Mm-hmm. We put our oh, books right, out yeah. for 99 cents. You know, now it's, depending on the length of my book, it's anywhere from 2.99 and up. I I dabbled in a little fantasy myself. I did some romantic fantasy with fairies and elves who don't flutter around. They wield swords and kill people. And I yeah, because I'm an action girl myself. Action and horror is what I, you know, love to read and watch, but Gotta, you gotta have a little bit of, you know, brown chicken, brown cow in there too. Right. (laughs) I gotta have a little bit of romance in there too. Well, I love that, that indies can do that. Right. And, and and I feel like I'm throwing stones at traditional publishing and they're, they, whatever they want to do over there, that's fine. Right. I, I, I think, but I know that as a fantasy reader, so George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones was published in 1994. Um, and it, it took the fantasy world by storm because it started this sort of, uh, and there may have been other books before it, but it's, it's generally considered the progenitor of, of what they call grimdark fantasy, which is where just a lot, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil the book for anybody, but just lots of bad stuff happened to people. If right? they oh, saw the show, they get the gist right. of it. <laughs> but if you haven't seen the show, I don't want to spoil it for you because it's kind of, it, it was new, right? It was not something that people had seen before, um, really. And so there was a big push towards like, oh my God, this is awesome. And a lot of the fantasy fans who, who had gotten tired of the same old fantasy, you know, immediately jumped on this bandwagon of this new stuff. Well, guess what? Publishers did too. They immediately were like, okay, everything we publish from here on out is grimdark. Except that I hated it. I I don't, I, I want a hero. I, I don't need a black and white story. I don't need my, you know, knights to be white knights who only ever do the right thing. Mary um, they Sue's, can, yeah. They can be, you know, uh, complicated characters. They can have morals of gray. But in the end, they're going to do the right thing and they're going to be the hero and they're going to win. I don't want the hero to lose. Right. Right. And that's the kind of fantasy that I read and that's what I loved. But starting from 94 on through, honestly, through the Kindle revolution, um, that is what publishers were publishing in fantasy because that was quote, what the audience wanted. Um, you know, when twilight came out and that suddenly just the, the market was flooded with vampire vampires. Books. And then like yeah. less than a year later, it was like, no, nah, vampires are dead. Nobody's buying public. Nobody wants to read vampires anymore. I assure you they do. Um, and so I've loved that indies have come into this space and goes, you know what? I really like writing vampire books and I don't yep. really care that, that publishing, everybody says vampires are over. I'm going to keep writing vampire books. And there, there was still a huge audience out there, but maybe it wasn't huge enough for, for big traditional publishers to take a look at it. But in indie, 
hey, I really like vampire. I really like epic fantasy with with great heroes. So you know what? I'm going to write those books. And and hopefully there are people, readers out there who just like me have been missing these books with really great heroes and fantasy. And then suddenly you find that audience. Every time you say hero, I hear, I need a hero. That's right. <laughs> I'm holding up for a hero. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, the, the foot it, here, it's 2023. The Footloose soundtrack it still slaps. I had to pull away from the from the microphone because I have one of those really obnoxious laughs. Oh. <laughs> I'm a burst of laughter person. So if I pulled away, it's where you heard the chair chair squeak. So I'm like, oh, that, to, that was I, hilarious. I grew up in uh, musical theater in a very musical household, and I do a lot of karaoke. And so anytime I'm so anytime I'm at a conference. Um, we we typically end up going out or doing like sometimes like Nink has an official karaoke night that is sponsored. And then I'm going to the Superstars writing seminar here in just a few weeks in Colorado Springs. And they have a, a, a sponsored karaoke night that actually Book Funnel is sponsoring because I love to sing and I love to get up in front of people and sing. And I don't find, you know, sitting behind my little desk and writing out code, I don't find many opportunities to do it anymore. So I didn't grow up in musical therapy, but my mom and daddy both were. My daddy played guitar and listened to blues and rock and roll. My mom listened to the pop. So I can turn any conversation into a song or a movie quote. <laughs> exactly. And I do. It's music. By the way, musical theater, not musical therapy. I was a I was a theater. Did I say therapy? Yes. Oh, sorry. Really matters. Like, you know, it's, it's what's a, on my mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> after this conversation, man, no, I have another call with my therapist. After this. <laughs> oh, yes. I grew up um, loving musicals and, and my dad was a music producer. So we had lots of music. And yes, I there's probably not. It, it's almost annoying to my ADD brain because there's probably not a thing you could say, not a phrase in the English language that hasn't appeared in a song somewhere. Yep. And chances are good that song is stuck in my brain. And it's as soon as you say it, I'm going to immediately start, even if we're still having a conversation and I'm nodding and I'm listening to you, but in my head, I'm going, ole, 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 <laughs> or whatever it is that you somehow tipped off in my brain. Every day I talk to my mom in the morning and it's time to go. And I say, all right, I got to get to work. And as soon as I hang up, work, 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 summer, 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 summer. Every, it literally, I'm the same way. If there's a song with that word in it, it's it's in my head. That's it. Yep. But I have learned, by the way, earworms. I don't know if it'll work for you. If I blast it until my ears bleed, it's out of my head. It'll it'll float out. <laughs> That's probably a good I mean, word. your ears have to start bleeding, though, and your eyeballs have to, like, jump with the, the music. Otherwise, it doesn't work. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that is. Are there any cool new things on the horizon for Book Funnel that you can tell us about? Um, well, we I mean, I know, I know some things you can't release, but is anything that – you so can I, tell will, us. I, will, I will start with back in September. Uh, so just a few months ago, we did this really, really big push where we we basically took everything that we had on our list, on our roadmap that was mostly done. And we decided to just some of these things we'd had for for quite some time and we hadn't figured out how to release them yet and how we wanted to talk about them. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into it. So we had all of these different little features and we decided to just kind of jam them all out together in, in a three week period. So we released a lot of stuff back in September and then we kind of took a few months off. We felt like we'd earned a breather at that point. So now we are back in January and, and we're still we're still kind of putting those new features out because, of course, we kind of launched them very quickly and a lot of people don't 
read our blog or follow our newsletter so they don't even know that we've built this stuff. We, we get these kind of emails all the time. It's like, you know, it'd be great. Is a book funnel could do this. I'm like, yeah, we, we'd already do that. We already have that over here. <laughs> um, and so a lot of the features that we announced back in September, we're still sort of crowing about and talking about because they were really, really awesome features. Like, um, you know, we talk about piracy. We talk about restricting books, downloads, and visible watermarking. And then um, a feature we call bulk delivery, which was great for um, Patreon and Kickstarter delivery and things like that. Um, and, and just all of these sort of things. Oh, book samples, you know, having, uh, having your ebook sample available right on your landing page. So kind of like Amazon's little look inside, but it doesn't suck. And so <laughs> Amazon's look inside is terrible. It I mean, like, I, I, I appreciate that the feature exists because I use that. I like to just take a quick peek and read the first, I don't know, few pages of a book because I can tell pretty quickly whether I'm going to like an author's style or whether I'm not, but their look inside reader is just awful. Um, and so we went out to build something that didn't suck. And, and that was something that we launched back in September. Um, and that has allowed us to, to build on all of these other cool features. So as far as upcoming stuff, um, I don't have anything to announce right now because um, we're still we're still working on getting that other stuff out there. Um, in the years past, we've actually been really bad about I say bad, but we've been really good at just launching bunches of features. The problem, of course, is that once kind of like authors um, do with their own books, once that that new baby book is out there, you start writing the next one, and it's like, oh yeah, that's old news. We don't talk about that book. <laughs> uh, which is uh, for uh, if you're just listening and you're not doing a lot of book marketing yet, that's a terrible, terrible idea. Don't do that. Um, put your book out there and and treat it with respect and give it all the effort that it deserves. And even as you're writing that new book, um, keep keep you know pushing up those those older books because that backlist is what's going to sustain you in a, yes. a long term author career. Especially when you have like a lull or brain fart or even a little burnout, that backlist is going to keep you floating. Mm -hmm. I, I do just as well on my backlist as I do on my new releases. It's insane. It still still has momentum. I have seen they're, they're four years old. And I have seen more and more of that coming around from, you know, because, of course, new authors come in and they listen to podcasts like this and they they listen to the other authors out there. And they're, you know, they're trying to understand the industry and what they're getting into. Um, I've seen a lot more from authors, the bigger authors that are the sort of gurus at the top talking about backlist and don't. Don't rely on all don't put all of your income into the front list basket, right? If you're if you're earning all your money from just that new book, um, if you're one of those authors who can crank out a book a month, then great, you're going to do fine. Um, but at some point, you may run out of steam and you can't crank out a book a month. Or even if you're putting out a book a quarter, which is, I mean, four times more than any traditional publisher ever put out for, for a single author. So you're already you know four times ahead of the game if you were just putting out a new book every quarter. But even then, the backlist is what's going to keep earning you money while you're putting those new books out. So if all of your income is coming from just the new book that you're putting out, then you're your your all of your earnings are based on you continuing to write at the pace that you're writing, right. um, continuing to write the books that you're writing, and you may decide that you want to do something else. A really good friend of mine um, had a had a really successful series that was sort of a uh, political thriller 
kind of series, but then decided that he really wanted to write epic fantasy. Well, that's a that's a big departure. Right. Uh, and a lot of your a lot of the fans and the the existing newsletter that he built um, didn't you know didn't necessarily want that. They want to read more political thr- thrillers. But the series had been successful enough for him that he was able to kind of sock away some of that money and and continued to advertise and lift that series up so they continued to earn him money. But then he took two years off to go and write this this massive epic fantasy series, which he's now on the verge of publishing. But he was able to do that because that that series that he wrote two and three years ago was still making him money. If he'd been reliant on nothing but new releases, he would have had zip. He would have spent he wouldn't have been able to do it. Right. You can't just take two years off from your primary source of income or most people can't. But he was able to do that because. Not, not only had he squirreled away a little bit of the money when when the books were selling and they were new, but he'd also continued to prop them up and advertise them and continue selling them through that period where he's writing the new book. Yeah, I went I, the first year I wrote under this pen name because I've been, you know, I've got I've got one that's top secret that like three people in the world know about because uh, because they're naughty books. Oh, no, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> the first year I wrote under this name, I wrote 10 books, published 10 books in a year. So you can imagine like I started just whoop going up. I burnt out. Right. So the next year I wrote four. So it started going down. Well, now I've leveled out. So it's about between four and eight, depending on where my brain is. Yeah. Um, because again, my disability it, it, today is rainy and gloomy. I've already hit a few walls walking down the hallway. So mm. <laughs> I may not be able to punch out as many words today. I've put myself on a better schedule now. So they expect within no, usually no, no more than four months will be the next book generally. But I no longer am losing fans since I'm not every month, every month, every month. Oh, well, my God, it's been three months and we haven't gotten a new book. Mm-hmm. And then they forget about you. So yeah, that, that, if you watch a lot of YouTubes, you know, your your next new release is the one that's going to really know you got to keep your backlist in, the, in your mind at all times, too. I only advertise. There's this whole world that I built. I call them Cedar Hill Shifters. I only advertise the first book in that series. Right. And then the romantic fantasy, there's two. The third one's coming out this year. I only advertise that one because that's, you know, it's different. It's a little departure there. But I don't put money into my new releases. It's I just send out my newsletters. I put it on Facebook, you know, whatever. And I usually hit bestseller on release day. It doesn't stay there, but I hit, you know, bestseller on release day. You got to baby your backlist. And you really shouldn't. You, you're probably right. And, and I know most authors don't put money into a new release, especially if you're, oh, it's the sixth book in a series. Well, it, it depends if you're, let's say you're writing international thrillers and maybe the sixth book is the sixth book in the series, but technically you could read any of the books in any order right. that maybe putting money into that new release is great because people grab that book and then they go, oh, I really like these characters. I like this writing. I'll go read more of the stories. But for most of us authors, like I'm a very linear, I, I'm so linear in my writing that I can't write chapter three until chapter two is done. Right. I won't, I don't, I, I I'm not one of those skip <laughs> around. I yeah. have to write the story in order, which means I have to write the series in order. And um, when a reader comes into your book, if, if they come in and you're sure book five is coming out, but really you, you shouldn't be reading book five. If you haven't read the first four, you're, you're not going to enjoy it nearly as much. So, but I do know authors for whom when they have a new release, they will start pouring a little bit more ad money into the book one, because mm-hmm. that will get people into that, into your funnel, right? Yep. That's, that's what we call it is getting them in the funnel book funnel. Sure, uh, I wonder where you got that. No, right. Such a clever name. <laughs> We're so clever over here. Uh, and so getting them into your book funnel, but then, 
you know, like you were talking about, you know, if you have this, you know, amazing burst of inspiration and, and you're able to crank out a book a month or even a book every couple of months and you're just really nailing it, that is why building your newsletter is so important because mm-hmm. those readers, they will, you know, if you're putting out a book a month, sure, they're following you along and bam, 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 you're putting out a book a month. But then you you probably will burn out or life circumstances will get in the way and you just won't be able to crank out those words anymore or you move to a new genre. Who knows, right? Burnout is real. It's very, very real. Oh, and yeah. I see it a lot. And so uh, by the time that happens and then you you go to a, a, a you know, four book a year cycle, the newsletter is how you're going to keep in touch with all those people who were following you month to month to month. But then suddenly three months go by and they don't remember. They don't remember that you had another booking out book coming out or they don't know. They're just waiting for you to tell them. And, you know, you can get follows on Amazon. They don't really work that well no like i follow dozens <laughs> of authors and amazon never tells me when they have a new book out no like, never yeah. ever i have to go set alarms to go check for books um, from different authors so uh that newsletter though that is where you have the opportunity to talk to those readers and especially i would say you know whether you decide to go wide with your books uh, meaning publish on all the stores or whether you decide to be exclusive to amazon i always tell people if you are exclusive to Amazon, you have to work even harder because maybe not in the publishing world, right? Because you're only publishing to one store. So you don't have to push your book out to all these different wide stores and you don't have to go manage prices and do other things. So the publishing part is seems easier because you just have to publish to Amazon and boom, you're done. But you have to work harder to get those readers out of Amazon's ecosystem and into your platform. Um, so they get to the, some KU reader looks at your book and goes, oh, that looks like, you know, let's say you write sweet small town romance. So here they are. They're searching for small town romance. Boom. They find your book. It looks good. They grab it. They start reading it. A lot of the KU readers are, are what we call whale readers, meaning they just read and read and read and read and read. Um, I thought this was crazy. When, you know, we, we talk to hundreds of readers a day over at BookFunnel. Our support team answers hundreds of emails a day to, to readers. And I thought this was crazy the first time I met a woman who read three books a day. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, how, how is that possible? Of course, all of the she was reading Cozy Mysteries. Well, Cozy Mysteries are about 50,000 words. So they're not the they're not the largest books. And I think I've probably read a pretty large fantasy book in one sitting when I was like super into it and, and just couldn't put it down. But. These people, they're some of them, they're reading books so quickly, they don't even know the name of the author on the cover. They just look, <laughs> the cover looks cute. They haven't read that one. Boom, they pick it up and read it. But what you want is they get to the end of that book and you say, hey, read the next book in the series or join my newsletter and get the prequel novella or get this short story or this bonus chapter that happens at the end of the book so that you can get them out of that platform and onto your platform so that the next time you have a book available, you can tell them about it because they're not the kind of reader who's going to go like, "Hmm, I'm going to put this author's name down on a list and I'm definitely going to remember the next time they have a book out. There's almost no reader that does that until they become a super fan of yours. Right. But they're probably not going to become a super fan just by picking up and reading one of your books. And so, you know, if you're out there and you are publishing exclusively on Amazon through Kindle Unlimited, you definitely want to be capturing those readers at the end of the book and trying to get them over to your newsletter so that when you do eventually slow down, assuming you're, you know, publishing a book a month or some crazy schedule, when you do finally slow down, you still have a way to talk to those readers and a way to tell them when you have those new releases out. 
At the end of each and every one of my books is, you know, thanks for picking this up. If you want to know more, here's my newsletter. And then I give the sample of the next book. Yes. So that way immediately, you know, feel free to leave a review and then here's my newsletter. And, you know, that way they have a way to find you. You've, you've already before anything else. Don't, don't put your about the author there. Don't nothing else. Nope. Capture them right then. <laughs> that is your that is your moment, and 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 the beauty of that is that um, I tell authors all the time, it's it's a it's a the the call to in the marketing terms we call it a call to action, call to action. the CTA. <laughs> so the call to action in the back of your book is probably the the most valuable real estate that you have, um, and the biggest reason is they just got finished reading your book, and one of two things is going to happen: one, they just got finished reading book reading your book, and they didn't like it very much. Or they liked it okay. Guess what? Those people are not going to sign up for your newsletter. They don't care, right? You don't get to the end of a a mediocre meal and you're like, you know what? I'll take some more. Um, But the people that do sign up for your newsletter from the back of that book, they not only read your book, they liked it enough that they liked you enough as an author that they wanted to go and join your newsletter. So the minute you get them on your newsletter, you've already got the makings of a fan right there, right? They got to the end of the book and they loved it enough that they wanted to sign up. They wanted to hear more from you. So you want to treat those those readers a little bit differently. I, I try to tell people that there's, there's you know, we, we use the term reader magnet and we do use the term lead magnet interchangeably lead magnet comes from the marketing world reader magnet is is what we talk about as authors but really to me they're they're two different things because the lead magnet guess who that goes to that goes to leads that goes to people who've never read your stuff before they don't know who you are as an author and they might want to pick it up whereas to me a reader magnet is something where you're actually approaching a reader who's already read some of your stuff and you you want to treat those readers a little bit differently when somebody comes into your mailing list somebody joins your newsletter and you know that they came from the back of your book the welcome email wants to say hey thanks for joining my list da 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 I see that, you know, I I hope that you enjoyed book one title. I really loved writing it. It was one of my first books and I still love it to this day. I'd love to know what your favorite, who your favorite character was, right? And that's very different than the welcome email that you send to somebody who joined you through a group promo, right? They picked up your your lead magnet, the, the novella that you've got out there. You have no idea whether this person has read a single word of your world. And so you might send them a welcome email that says, hey, this is me. I write space opera for this and this this reason. I love heroes. I love space battles. I love this, this, and this. Because what you're trying to do there is they've picked up your your book. They probably picked up several others from that group promo. And you want to make sure that they slide yours to the top of that to be read pile because you want to get them, of course, to read that and then get into your series. But see, there's two different approaches. There's the, the person who I know the only way you could have gotten to this list is because you read one of my books. And then this person over here, you got to my list because you came in from, from non-inorganic traffic like a group promo. And I, you know, I've got two different welcome emails. One that says, welcome, I know you've read my books. I hope you love them. And the other one says, welcome, I hope you'll read my books and enjoy them. Yeah. And then something I actually learned through Brian Cohen, self-publishing and email marketing, I had a bad habit of buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. And every single, so I finally, now I do at least twice a month. And I just tell, you know, I I read one of my favorite authors, her newsletter. 
she was talking about her dog got really, really sick and they rushed it to the emergency vet. And I'm an animal lover. So I'm like, I'm riveted to the story. Like, oh my God, what happened? They had some contractors working and the van was open and the dog got in there and ate somebody's weed, their marijuana. <laughs> so the dog was high. So if you read Brian's book, you know, it talks about, you know, these are your your village, your tribe, your people. So you talk to them like you're telling a story and we're writers. So what do we do? We tell good stories, right? You are a storyteller. So, yes. Yeah, so now it's not always, hey, books out, buy my book, buy my book. Now at least twice a month I check in, hey, is your Christmas tree down yet? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and just funny little stories about how I knocked my tree down because as soon as I told everybody the tree's down, was it the cat or the dog? <laughs> it was the human. <laughs> it was the you know, it's It was the human. So yeah, it's newsletters and then you add that little reader magnet from book funnel that is just delivered with such, I had to, you know, just make sure I did it right. Cause I'm not the most tech savvy person. I did it to my personal email account first and, and made sure I did it correctly. It was so easy. Yeah. It was so, and I was able to open it on my Kindle and everything was so smooth and so easy. I, I really do think even my 70 year old mother could do it. I mean, I'll tell she you might fun- call me, but I'll tell you a funny story. So uh, about four years after I built Book Funnel, so my mother is a huge reader. She she reads all the time. Um, she actually refused to get a Kindle or read digitally for a very long time, but she had gotten to the point where her eyes were not so good, and so she would check out the books from the library. But she would only she she could only read the large print books, except that most libraries really only have one copy of a large print, you know, of the of the latest whatever the new hot thing is, right? She liked Patricia Cornwall books, and so. Uh, they would only have one. So she'd be on a wait list and she'd have to wait forever. And I tell my mother like, Hey mom, you know, if you got a Kindle, you can just like change the font to whatever size you want. If you want to read yep. in the massive font, she goes, Oh, I don't want to read on those. She's kind of a technophobe, which is what we deal with at book funnel all day long, right? All day long. People who are even apologetic. I'm so sorry. I'm just no good with these things. Right. And so, um, we deal with that all, all the time. So eventually I bought my mother a Kindle. I said, here, I, I loaded up with a bunch of books for you. You you don't have to do anything. You just buy books. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to use it, right? She loves to do pull that on me. Well, I appreciate it, but I don't know that I'm going to use it. Now she reads exclusively on her Kindle. Um, <laughs> it, it took, you know, but, it, but like I had to buy it for her and I had to show it to her and show her how to use it so that she understood it and was like, okay, this is not as hard as I thought it was. Years later, this was a, this was a few years ago now, um, She's where she's I'm seeing her for Christmas and, and we're hanging out and spending time. And she goes, oh, I want to show you something. And she goes and she gets her Kindle and she brings it back to me and she's she swipes it. She's at the end of a book um, of a, a, an author who's actually a friend of mine, Ernie Dempsey. So she's at the she's an Ernie Dempsey fan. She's at the end of the book and she goes, she holds it up and it's it's his call to action that says, you know, I think Ernie gives away three books, three book ones because oh, uh, he has these massive, super deep series of international thrillers. So she holds it up and it's a it's a picture of a book funnel landing page and she goes, Is this you? And I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, mother, that's me. Like that's that's what we do. And she was like, that's Oh, that's terrible. amazing. You know, it's so great. She goes, Well, I, I'm I'm gonna go sign up and and get these books. And she, I said, Okay, I, I would love to see you try it. And so she goes through the process and it, she stops at one point. She goes, Now, now, what am I supposed to do here? And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to tell you anything because I actually wrote this whole thing. I, I built millions of lines of code so that you, my mother, my inspiration could get a book. I'm very curious to see if you can actually get a book without my help. And she did. She got all three books delivered to her Kindle without me having to intervene at all. And I was like, I have succeeded. This is exactly, this is exactly why I built it. <laughs> 
And then I told um, I saw Ernie at a conference a few years back and I told him that story. And so now every time he sees me, he, we talk, we're chatting. He's like, hey, how's your mom? I was like, oh, she's doing great. He goes, you tell her I said hi. I got a Kindle because we moved to the first borders closed. That was like my jam. I was there at least twice a week, if not more, getting two to three books at a time. Right. I would call ahead. I'm in the mood for this. And this guy named Bo who worked there would pull the books because he knew. He knew what I was you into. You had your own staff member. I had my own staff member. And here's the thing. <laughs> Bo was not there one day. And the woman pulled a J.D. Robb book for me. Mm-hmm. Not my jam. And he said, oh, you gave her what? Oh, she'll be returning it. And here I come the next day. So, of course, everybody's cracking up because I don't read sci-fi. I mm-hmm. don't know why my brain can't do sci-fi. I like paranormal, supernatural, fantasy, not sci-fi. So they closed. We moved out to this tiny little town where, I mean, it's like 15 people or 15, 1,500 people here. I came from 50,000 to 1,500. Mm-hmm. No bookstores anywhere. My husband came. I was like so sad. He'd come home with a Kindle. I was like, you're the best ever. <laughs> <laughs> you and know now, me. Well, and then I burnt that thing out. Like I, it just wouldn't charge anymore. So now I've got the Kindle app on my phone. So I read nonfiction and paperback, which that one click button is going to bankrupt me. And then my fiction is on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I actually have Brian's book on my phone, but I discovered I need nonfiction. So I had to go buy the damn paperbacks. So I can read both. So we are over an hour and that was amazingly fun. Is there any cool news for you? Any new books coming out or anything? No, I've, I've, I was working uh, for a while with a co-author about writing a sci-fi series and I'm hoping that that's going to come out eventually. I haven't had the time to write. It's, it's one of those where I, I love it. I loved being an author. All of this, everything about Book Funnel exists because I started publishing my own books and I'm, I'm so into that. But I just, these days I write code all the time. Like that's yeah. my, that's my thing. I write code, but I, I, I still love it because I still get to be around authors and books and words are so important to me as a, as a, you know, as a consumer, right? I, I still do. These days I don't hardly watch. I used to be a huge movie buff. I watch almost everything that would come out. And these days I, I just don't. I crawl into bed and I enjoy my books. So I, I, but I do plan to get back to it. I still have a little notebook that I keep where if I have an idea, I go, you know what? That's a good idea. And I'll write that one. I'll write those on my phone. (laughs) Yeah. I'll write those little notes. And when I say notebook, I mean digitally. I I don't do anything on paper. No, I I read on my phone. You know, for years I had a a Kindle and then I had the, I had the Kindle, the original Kindle keyboard. And then eventually I got a paper white. I've gone through several iterations, but these days I just, my phone is always in my hand, not always in my hand. It's always in my pocket. And it's so easy to read on if I can just pick yeah. up and read a few chapters and then I go get in bed and I pick it up. Also, I read everything in the book funnel app these days because I uh, I'm really picky about my software and uh, <laughs> none of the reading apps out there are good enough for me. So I built the book funnel app. We, we built the book funnel app here to be like the reader's reader app. And so now I get all my books and I, I drop them into the book funnel app and that's where I do my reading. Yeah, I read. I actually dim down. I already have the warm light on my phone anyways because of the migraine thing. Mm-hmm. And then I dim it down all the way. And of course, like your mother, I had to expand my my font. <laughs> and I'd lay in bed and I read usually a chapter, but if I've not, my brain hasn't quieted down enough, then I'll read a little bit more. And then I'm ready for bed. And that's yep. it. That's how I go to sleep every night. Me too. I read. So th- I read three books a day. So I read um, a writing craft book while I'm waiting for the bus for the boy I take care of, um, at around five thirty six o'clock is when I've started making myself quote unquote clock out. And I go read right now I'm reading, uh, lucky bitch, get rich, lucky bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Strange title, but that's what I'm reading. Right. I just finished the big leap. 
and then at night. So I sound so sophisticated, don't I? I read three books a day. <laughs> it really does. I can't I do that. I'm, I'm a one book. I have to read one book and then I have to finish that book before I'm sort of like my brain is allowed to move on to the next book. I was similar to that earlier lady um, back in the day when I wasn't so busy. I could get through like four or five books a week, not a day, a week, because just I love to read and I would disappear. Like I couldn't hear the kids could have been screaming bloody murder and I wouldn't have heard it. I was mm-hmm. in that book, you know, um, and then I always have a book with me. Like we do uh, car shows, my husband, Pinstripe. So I bring a book with me there. It's like, I always have a book with me, but you know how it is with time. I'm just running down. So now it's like every little second I have is spent reading right? and, and I can focus. I have three files open that I'm writing on. So when one character stops talking to me, fine, I'll go play with someone else and I'll go <laughs> over to the other story. I have to change my music or whatever my background noise is, but it's because I don't like losing. I'm, I'm trying to get out of that mode of if I'm not productive, my value has gone down. Right. So, but I still like to be productive. I'm one of those people. I, I hit too. the ground running every morning. I've also tried to 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 remind myself that reading is productive. Like the mm-hmm. that reading reading authors in my genre, um, seeing what indie authors are doing out there in the world. Yes. All of that is is just a part of our business. Is what we do. I I read something from an author who I used to love. Um, I just it wasn't like oh she may be hater. I just stopped reading her books. She hasn't read a single book since 2016 because she doesn't want it to inspire her writing and doesn't want to see who's copying after. And I'm like, that's why I stopped reading your books because they're all copy paste. Yeah. That's <laughs> like not, I don't losing. think I would have, I don't think I would have admitted to that. I think no, I would have like, no. no, I consume all kinds of other media and I, yes. I it does, of course it's going to influence me, but that's, that's where great ideas come from. I mean, you can't just like live in a vacuum and I have a great idea. I mean, sometimes I, you can, but. My fantasy novels, I was watching the old Vikings, the show, mm-hmm. and I started thinking about what would make that world happen today? Mm-hmm. Like how would, and so that whole thing spawned off where humans more or less almost completely decimated their population in nuclear wars. And now all these non-humans have come out and they're ruling the planet. Mm-hmm. So there are still humans, but they're the minority, you know? So it's like every little thing you read, watch, hear, you know, everything. Like you said, you can't live in a vacuum and just get an idea. Yep. And I'm a, I'm a pretty boring person. I don't get to leave my house often. I consume a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mr. Damon. This has been an absolute blast. Can I have you on again? Please. I would love to. I love Oh, that'd be so much fun. I'll spend hours blast. talking about publishing in books and, and anything in the in that realm. Yeah. Well, and you know what's funny is I get you guys on here and I want to keep talking because I don't I do live in a vacuum in a way. I don't have anybody to talk to about this stuff. When my mom calls and I'm frustrated because I'm trying to convert something to PDF and the code all of a sudden isn't working and I'm like trying to tell her, okay, call me later. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, I'm glad. That sounds great. Listen, when you sort that out, give me a call. Um, The spine is 0.00125 centimeters too big. And yeah, call me later. Call me later. This has been Damon Courtney and Lynn Howard on Road to an Abundant Author Life. Again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I had a great time. Bye, guys. See you next week. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road to an Abundant Author Life, feel free to leave a review on whatever outlet you listen from. Click the subscribe button. And if you have any questions, email me at AbundantAuthorLife at Yahoo.com. 